Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Hey church, I have a confession to make, okay? I got a confession, mate. I remember when I was a teenager in school, our school did the 40-hour famine. And, and now I was, let me verify, I was a teenage boy. And so if something didn't move for too long, I may eat it. And, and so I was one of those kids. I was a t- normal teenage boy. And I remember we did the 40-hour famine, which for a teenage boy and probably girl, but more so boys, it felt like it was like not the, 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 it wasn't the 40-hour famine, it was like the 400-hour, 400,000-million-hour famine. Now, I don't know who came up with the great idea of going, you know what we're going to do? We're going to tease high schoolers, and you're going to get one barley sugar every four hours. Now, this is my confession. The first year I did, I did the 40-hour famine, no one told me it was one barley sugar every four hours. I thought it was like, or you can eat barley sugar. Let's just say, I don't want to see another barley sugar for a very, very, very long time. I've never eaten one since. You see, I remember doing it. I remember, you know, doing the 40-hour famine and, 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 and fasting from food for 40 hours so that we can raise some money and give it away to some kids in other parts of the world and make a difference. And I remember going, you know what, whinging every probably minute of the 40-hour famines while having pockets full of barley sugars. But I remember I got to the end of the 40-hour famine, and my, my parents, in particular my dad, were so amazed and so impressed that I managed to stick out 40 hours, which felt like 400,000 hours. And he made a decision to say, Dave, you know what we're going to do to celebrate this moment, this memento? We're going to take you to all-you-can-eat pizza and pasta at Pizza Hut. Yeah? And so I thought that was a great idea. And my parents thought it was a great idea because they just paid once, and then I just ate everything. Pizza Hut, on the other hand, I'm not sure if they made it. In fact, they didn't make any money out of me. They probably lost a whole lot of money that particular night. See, when was the last time you were really, really hungry? I'm not talking about like you skipped breakfast this morning because you woke up late and you wanted to get to church on time. So you didn't, you weren't one of those people that kind of wander in in the middle of worship and everyone turns and looks at. No, not everyone, but you know what I mean? Like, when was the last time you were really hungry? Not because you missed breakfast, but because you were hungry for something else. You know, when was maybe, maybe you had a moment where you were, where you went, you know what? I'm really, really hungry for chocolate. You know, maybe you, maybe you thought, you know what, I'm really, really hungry for a pizza. You know, and you just went, like my kids, they're like, you know, they see the box, and I, Jude's half finished just go and sniff the box. You know, you know, maybe you're really, really hungry for one of my favorites, Doritos. Or maybe you're really, really hungry for some M&Ms. All right, who loves M&Ms? Max Carter. First hand out, or maybe <laughs> Brenda Joyner at the back. No, actually, I'll kill someone if I throw it in. Or maybe, like my kids, you're really, really hungry for a little bit more time on the PlayStation. Just a little bit more, Dan. Come on, there's there's still milliseconds left. Dad, I'm nearly finished. Four hours later, I'm nearly finished. Anyway, 
When was the last time you were really, really hungry for something? The title of my message this morning, you can probably already guess, and it's really simple, is hungry. See, we're often really hungry for something. Have you ever noticed there's a moment in our hunger that, that translates from just, I'm hungry, to, to a moment where it's all-consuming. A moment where it consumes our minds, it consumes our stomachs. And, it, and it, we get to this moment where, where it so consumes our minds and our, and our stomachs that we will just about give or do whatever it takes to try and get that thing we're hungry so we've been walking through the book of Acts, looking at, looking at the early church, when a church in a room just like this, in a group of people just like this, in a room just like this, prayed a prayer, a really simple prayer, and it was simply, come Holy Spirit. And they hungered for the Holy Spirit, and they were scared about what was going to happen, but they, they hungered for what was going to happen. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about how you found these last few weeks, but, but if you're anything like me, over these last few weeks as a church, it's not been a series, more hearts cry about church, as we've simply began to pray, come Holy Spirit. I don't know if you're anything like me, but you've, you've sensed and you've begun to experience the Holy Spirit in new ways. You know, as I'm sitting here praying, as the team's praying as we've been talking and, and everything else, there's a sense that God is at work, that the Holy Spirit is at work, that He's on the cusp of doing something really significant in our lives and in our church. But as we, we look at the book of Acts, as we see that moment at Pentecost where a group of people in a room just like this, a people just like this, prayed a prayer, and the Holy Spirit came powerfully. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm hungry to experience what they experienced. I don't know about you, but, but I'm hungry to go, God, I don't, you know, Mike said this morning, you know, it's different people, different ways, but, but you know, there's, there's apprehension sometimes about what that, what that means and what that might look like. But every one of us, and, 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 and I'm feeling it, I want to see the Holy Spirit move in our church, and I want to see the Holy Spirit move in my life just like He did in the book of Acts. I'm hungry to see what God might do as we step out and we begin to pray boldly. Come, Holy Spirit. But my question to you this morning is this. How much do you want it? How hungry are you? How much do you really want the Holy Spirit to come? How much do you really want Him to come and fill you? See, I've got to be honest, when, when I first became a Christian, I experienced a whole lot of things and, and walked through a whole lot of things. And I remember reading the book of Acts, and I remember beginning to get really uncertain about what that would look like. And, and to be honest, if I'm honest with you all, I, I began to get kind of a little bit scared of what that would look like, because that seems a little bit crazy and a little bit out there. But then as I've seen what the Holy Spirit's done in my life and other people, and I've seen how God the Father who loves us so much, gave a good gift for all of us. And the Holy Spirit's come into people's lives and He's changed their lives and He's comforted and He's gifted and He's done a whole bunch of things in people's lives. I began to get hungry more and more and more for what the Holy Spirit might do in our lives. 
But church, I'm not talking this morning. When I say the question, how much do you want it? How hungry are we for the Holy Spirit? Church, um, I'm not saying this morning, uh, I'm not talking about playing games, saying, oh yeah, that's what I should say, so yes, I'm hungry. But I'm actually saying this morning, how hungry are we? Really and honestly, are we really, really hungry or are we just kind of paying lip service to it? See, how hungry are we for the Holy Spirit? I'm not talking about height, but I'm talking about hunger. How many of us are actually hungry? for what God will do. See, our our world is looking for it. Our world is is looking for for something to to fill the emptiness, the void that's in their lives. Our world is looking, so they look for any relationships and sex and alcohol and drugs and through through looking at other people's lives on social media and, 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 and working more and doing more and achieving harder and striving and doing this and earning more and getting more money and stuff. The, the world is looking to fill the God-shaped void in them. But they find themselves too often hungry, not content. And knowing that there's, no matter how many things they put in their lives, they still feel empty and they still feel lonely and they still recognize there's a void in them. And maybe that's you this morning. And if that's this morning, God has brought you here because he wants to speak to you. So let's just recap for a second. Acts chapter 2. A group of people gathering just like this, gather in a room just like this and began to pray a prayer that went something like, come Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit turned out. And, and, and Peter preaches one sermon and 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus and they all wedge you into a little tiny baptismal. I mean, that would be an incredible Sunday, wouldn't it? And, and, then, and then we find Acts chapter 2, Peter meets a lame beggar who the Bible records is 40 years old. And he's been, he's been sitting at the temple gates for 40 years, hoping and praying and believing that somehow God might heal him. But 40 years later, he's given up hope of ever being healed. And then Peter walks past and sees him and through the power of Jesus, heals him. Quick survey. It's not, quick, it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a trick questions. Everyone can pass because it's really easy. All of these things that happen in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3, are they good or bad? We're all unsure. Are they good or bad? Are they good? All right, here we go. We got there. But Acts chapter 5, just one chapter later, not that much time has elapsed. The church now has grown to over 5,000 people. And Peter and John get brought before the religious leaders with celebrations and congratulations to celebrate the milestone of reaching 5,000 people in church. And that is exactly not what happened. In fact, what happened is they got arrested and they got dragged before the religious leaders and threatened with an inch of their lives and are told to stop talking about their Savior, Jesus. See, church, what we've got to realize is that when God moves, Opposition comes. See, we can often think that when there's a lack of opposition in our lives, when things are going really well, that means God is with us. God is always with us. 
But in Acts chapter 4, it shows us that even when opposition came, God was with them. In fact, in Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter six, it says this: "For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, and against any rulers, and against the authorities, and against the powers of of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms." See, when God begins to move, opposition comes because the devil begins to get nervous of what God is about to do. See, last week we stood. And we gathered around people in our church, me included, who've been going through significant hard seasons over the last few weeks. And we prayed together and we stood together as we, we, we stood alongside these people who were doing it tough to say, hey, you know what? We want you to know that you're not alone because we're all here and God is with you. See, what I find so interesting, and let me be, let me, let me be honest here, I find it so hard, and, and I find, I'm even surprised when opposition comes, when good things are happening. And, and yet, we shouldn't be surprised that opposition comes when God begins to move. See, we wouldn't be surprised when challenges and distractions happen when the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives. But we're also not to be discouraged. See, 1 John 4 says this, But you belong to God, and you've already won the victory, because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the one who lives in the world. See, church, we're in a battle. And we need to be wary, and we need to be on guard, but we need also to be confident, because Jesus has already His spirit. Jesus says, I'm going to leave. So the same spirit that rose me from the dead is going to come and live inside of you. So Peter and John get arrested. And their lives are threatened and told to stop talking about Jesus. And, and if it was you, what would you do? I mean, if, if that was you, you know, you get arrested, you get brought before the religious leaders. They said, you know what? You've got two choices. One, we either kill you or throw in a prison or you stop talking about Jesus. What would you do when they let you go? How would you handle it? Now, let me be honest. If, if I was faced with that same situation, this is how I would respond. First of all, I would get George up the back, who was playing keys here last week. He was playing bass. I would definitely get George. I would also get Joseph. I would also get Warwick, who normally plays, uh, normally plays uh, drums. I would get Ola over here, because I reckon he's got some ninja skills. I, I reckon I would get Michael Previtt. I would certainly get Ash, because he's got big guns. And I would get everyone in that church who looks big and scary alongside of me, who is filled with the Spirit, but also filled with godly muscles. And we would go and face the religious leaders. And come on. Am I the only one that would handle like that? Wouldn't we? we? That's exactly how we would do it, isn't it? But this is how Peter does it. We're going to read up, we're going to pick up uh, Acts chapter 4. We're going to read a few verses from verse 23. And this is how they did it. So they found the most muscly guys in the church. And no, no, no. And on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported that the chief priests, all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voice together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke 
by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against the anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power had declared before should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See, when God moves, opposition comes. But our weapon is prayer and fasting. I don't know about you, but that's not how I would have done it if I was Peter and John. But God's not looking for people who will just pray when it's convenient. God is looking for people who are hungry and desperate for Him. God's looking for people who will get past convenient and comfortable prayers. See, God is wanting to stir a hunger in us as we make time, as we create space in our lives for Him. See, in, in our quiet space and in our times together. See, church, I just want to, I, I love our church. I'm so proud of what God is doing in our church. But church, we've got to understand, we've got to grapple with something. We've got to begin to do something. We've got to begin to pray together. We've got to begin to hunger together. Because if we're going to see a move of God like we're believing and we're hoping that God will see, if we're going to see what God has done in Aspie and other places around the world, if we're going to see our, 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 our community change in the name of Jesus, it's not going to happen by comfortable prayers when we forget. It's going to happen when we gather together hungry and desperate for Him. Tuesday night. 7 p.m., I invite you to be here as we hunger for the presence of God, as we pray together to see what God might do. See, as those as the early church and those early Christians fell on their knees and they raised their voices in hungry prayer, the Holy Spirit began to move and God changed people's lives and He changed their city and He changed their neighbors and He reached people far from Jesus with the good news that Jesus is alive. And He filled them with their spirit and He changed their lives. See, for centuries, when people began to get hungry for the presence of God, when we began to believe for God for breakthrough, they always did two things. They prayed and they fasted. So when Jesus started his ministry, for 40 days he went out into the desert with nothing except 
his Lord. And he went out in the desert and he prayed and he fasted because he knew that the power he needed to do the call that God was calling him to do couldn't be done in the natural and it couldn't be done in him and himself. But he needed God to do something in his life. And so he took 40 days out to pray and to fast. And so he... From that moment, he then began to call his followers. And he said, until Jesus returns, I'm calling my people to fast and to pray. See, when we begin to fast, when we begin to pray, it shows and, and it reveals to God our weaknesses and our humility. And it shows our desire and a hunger for the presence of God. When we, when we say no to those things, we're saying, yes, God, I want to I step into a deeper place with you and I want to connect with you in a deeper way as we pray and as we fast. God will begin to show up in more significant ways in your life than maybe you've never seen before. See, when we, when we fast, we're saying, God, I want to be more hungry and more dependent on you than I am on a packet of Doritos, some chocolates, or even a Domino's pizza. But it's not about shifting God's heart. It's about God shifting our heart. See, church, what we've got to realize it is that when we pray and when we fast, it's not like God is the genie in the bottle in Aladdin. You know, when we, when we rub the lamp, he goes, poof, what do you want? Poof, what do you want? It's not like when we, when we, when we rub the lamp of, of fasting in prayer, imagine all of a sudden God pops in and goes, okay, what's the three greatest things that you want me to do for you? See, as we pray and as we fast, it shifts our heart, not always God's heart. Can I confess to you that fasting is not always the easiest thing I find. But as, I've, as we've begun to do this over the last three years, and I've begun to do this seriously over the last three years, I've, prof- I've found it so profound and so powerful in my life as I've began to put God first. It's like it quietens the world around me and it, and it turns up the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so I want to ask you this morning, will you join me? I want to ask you this morning, will you join our church and say, you know what, 21 days. I'm going to do 21-day prayer, and we're going to fast together, and we're going to pray, come Holy Spirit. So I want to just get really, really practical this morning. There's a variety of different ways you can fast, and this is not the kind of the everything. This is kind of the easiest and the most simple versions of it. And so there's, there's the option of, of fasting all meals. And you can, you know, except for water, juice, and broths, and different things like that, you can go that way. You know, you can, you can do the alternate fast. So things like, this is the one that I do each year. It's the Daniel fast where you basically cut all of the fun things of life and you just eat vegetables and fruit. My daughter, Allegra, uh, just before I got up this morning, said, Daddy, you're fasting again. And I said, yep. And she went, oh. Because <laughs> I become a little bit cranky for, for that first week <laughs> as I'm dealing with not eating all of the fun things of life. Maybe the thing that you need to give up could be something as simple as, you know what, for the next 21 days, we're going to give up coffee. You know, what's the thing in your life that God's calling you to give up? You know, for some of you, it might just be as simple as one meal. 
You know, it might be one meal or some meals. It could be, I'm going to eat one meal a day, or what I'm going to do is I'm going to fast till six o'clock at night, and then during those times where I normally eat, I'm actually just going to spend some time praying and seeking God. Or maybe you're going to do a no-food fast, sorry, a non-food fast. And maybe it's just, I'm, going to, I'm actually going to give up technology, or I'm going to give up PlayStation, or I'm going to give up social media, or I'm going to give up my phone, I'm going to give up something in my life. What I, what I want us to do this morning is simply ask the question, what is it that can, has a significant control in my life? What is it that God wants me to give up so that I can lean into Him? But I want to make something really, really clear. If you've got medical conditions or you're pregnant, because we have a bunch of pregnant families in our church, you need to go see a doctor. This is not something that I just want you to kind of do because I said it at the front of church. We need to be wise as we walk into this. But as we do, I want you to get ready because you will feel more emotionally and spiritually sensitive. That it will affect your energy levels. It will give you a little bit of fatigue. And you will also get very, very hungry. And then we've got each day. Scan the QR codes. You can look up the website for the, for the booklets. We ran out of booklets, but you can look on there. And every day there's a little, there's a simple prayer point that every single day we invite us as a church, we're going to pray together. As we pray an overarching prayer, come Holy Spirit. Today, let's pray and let's get hungry for God to do whatever He wants to do as we sacrifice some things and we fast some things and we pray, come Holy Spirit to bring revival. But I love where Acts chapter 4, at least of this part of this story, finishes. Where it doesn't finish is just a, a group of people gathering together after, after Peter and John get threatened and everything else. That kind of in that moment, they, they, they just stop and they pray and then nothing happens. But this is what happens in verse 31. After they pray, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. So the last thing that happens is that God gives boldness. See, as we begin to pray and fast together, it doesn't just change our lives. As we pray and we fast together, it has the potential to change our community. See, how, how often do we, do, we, do we hear about revivals or talk about revival or we hope about revival or dream about revival, we pray about revival and we, we think that revival is just an event that happens some, in some special place at some special time with some kind of special magical people. You know, we, we think that the revival is just for a specific place with for some specific people. But do you know how revival starts? And it happened in Asbury in the U.S. It started with one life. It started with one young guy who walked down the front and began to repent. See, revival always starts with one hungry person who chooses to put aside the things of the world and, and makes a decision to go, you know what, I'm going to put these things aside because I've got to fix my eyes on Jesus. See, I read a quote this week and it said this. 
We can't pray for revival corporately if we aren't willing to surrender and confess personally. See, the night before Jesus was crucified, Jesus gathered with his friends in the Garden of Gethsemane, away from the crowds, away from all of the other people, just with his nearest and dearest. And as he gathered in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26 records it and he says this, going a little ahead, he fell on his face praying, my father, if there is any other way, get me out of this. But please, not what I want. You do what you want. Not what I want. See, church, fasting is sacrificial. See, nothing of worth begins or happens without a price. And Jesus knew this. He knew that our forgiveness and our freedom from our, and the forgiveness of our sins was only could and could only happen because of a great cost to him. And that surrender resulted in Jesus being murdered and hanging on a cross. But that's not where it finished because three days later, Jesus rose again. And that moment changed history from BC to AD, from before Christ to Anno Domini or, or after death. But in Acts chapter 4, we read that that Jesus stood in front of a group of people in a room just like this, with a group of people just like this, and He called them to repentance. And He said, what we've got to do is we've got to repent and turn from our wicked ways. We've got to turn from our sins. We've got to turn from the things that we've done wrong. We've got to turn from our personal agendas. We've got to turn from all of these things. And, and as we begin to turn, as they begin to repent, they found a new life in Jesus. They found a hunger for the Holy Spirit. And in that place with our meeting, in a room just like this with a group of people just like this, the room was shaken and people were filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.